Why are more ministry students choosing not to go into the pastorate? Is pastoring becoming more difficult? How can churches better minister to their pastors? Is baptism essential to salvation, to church membership? What is essential to faith in Christ and to church fellowship? All that and more today is Ask a Theologian Day. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here is today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. I am glad to be with you tonight. It's a good opportunity for me to spend some time with Dr. Everett Berry, a good friend of mine who's in the studio with me here. And for these few minutes on Wednesday, it's Theology Thursday. That's right. It's Theology Thursday, Wednesday today. Uh, we've been taking a few Thursdays and spending some time giving you an opportunity to ask questions, uh, call in, and just uh, talk about whatever you want in terms of biblical questions or cultural questions that you'd like talked about in terms of the Bible or theological questions, just issues that you uh, have a curiosity about. And we're going to do that again today, but we've, we've moved it to Wednesday this week, and I'm looking forward to spending the time with you. And Dr. Barry, I want to welcome you into the studio. It's nice to have you with us. It's great to be here for Thursday on Wednesday. <laughs> All right. So uh, listen, we're going to invite your questions about any topic. That's always fine on these theology days when we're talking about uh, just anything you want to bring up. But we also have a couple of interesting facts to talk about first, and uh, we want to mention these to you. And if you want to talk about these, that's great. If you'd like to talk about something else, we'll leave that up to you on the phone lines. One of those involves church leadership and future church leadership, uh, as you heard on the promo starting up the show today. And the other one involves church membership. Now, you know, it appears from some recent things that we've heard that uh, ministerial students, those who've committed their lives to a vocational call to serve God in the ministry, have uh, given up on serving in the local church. Not everybody, but uh, a higher percentage. And so uh, what we want to do is talk about that a little bit, figure out why that might be going on. And then uh, after we've talked about church leadership for a little while, maybe we'll get an opportunity to talk about what's required for church membership. What, what, what does it take for somebody to become a member of your church? Is there anybody you would exclude? Are there people that you believe are Christians, uh, could go to heaven, but aren't qualified to be a member of your church. And uh, like we were saying at the beginning in the promo, I mean, is it more difficult to get into your church than it is to get into heaven? And uh, you might be surprised at some of the answers we're going to give to that and some of the answers you might give to that. So uh, I'm curious to hear from you on those things. Before we do that, though, let me just uh, let you know about something that's going on here with Jerry Johnson Live. Uh, Dr. Johnson's going to be making available a new class, and we want to give you an opportunity to hear about that right now. This is Jerry Johnson, and I want to invite all of our listeners to join me for a special class at Criswell College tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30. The class is called Christ and Culture, Christian Perspective on Current Issues. 
we're going to talk about all of the issues that you like hearing about here on Jerry Johnson Live. The Christian worldview, euthanasia, stem cell research, abortion, movies, politics, cloning, sanctity of human life, and many other topics from a biblical worldview. The class is tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m., at Criswell College, located at the corner of Gaston Avenue and Haskell in East Dallas, just east of Baylor Hospital. Or go to our website at criswell.edu. You can take this course for master's degree credit or bachelor's degree credit. And the good news is it's at half the normal tuition price. I'll be teaching this class. I'll see you tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30, at 6.30 p.m. I'll tell you something else about that class, by the way. Uh, people are, are always curious about this. You don't have to register to show up. You show up, uh, visit with the class, see what's going on in it, see if you're interested, and then you can decide whether you want to register and sign up for it and uh, get credit for it or just uh, attend for the sake of learning the information. It's a pretty fascinating opportunity. Well, uh, let me just first of all say I'm glad to be talking to all the folks on KCBI, of course, 90.9 FM right here uh, in the Metroplex. Also to our friends up there at KSYE 91.5 in Frederick, Frederick Oklahoma, and to my good friends down in San Angelo on KCRN 93.9 FM and 1340 AM. Uh, it's, uh, it's great to be talking to all of you. Listen, if you want to call in and ask a question about one of the topics we raise or anything else that the, that's a theological or biblical question, uh, you feel free to do it. You can call in at 1-800-881-9270, or you could email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Again, that's 1-800-881-9270, or feel free to email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, I've got Dr. Barry across the table from me, and I just can't imagine anything more fun than having a caller call and watch him squirm about something he doesn't know about, because I haven't found anything that he doesn't know about yet. So uh, you feel free to ask anything you want. Okay, now, the topic that we had raised uh, at the top of the hour was simply this. It appears that a lot of ministerial students have given up on serving in the local church, and this is not a formal study that's been done. But feedback from a lot of guidance counselors at our Baptist schools and at other Christian schools. And the feedback is that uh, a lot of people who are going into the ministry are interested in serving the Lord, but they're not interested in taking a position as a pastor or some other local church uh, ministry or leadership role. Does that bother anybody else? Because that bothers me. That that concerns me greatly. And I'm curious to know, in fact, Dr. Barry, uh, first of all, you teach uh, these students who are called to ministry all the time. Do you think that's true in your experience, in your relationship with the students? Do you think it's true? And then secondly, does it bother you at all? Well, when I was pastoring in Kentucky for five years, I recall reading an article for the Baptist paper for the state, and there was an article one month with exactly the same kind of surveys that were going on in Baptist universities, colleges, and seminaries in Kentucky and in the southeast, and they had the same result. There were, there were students, yes, who were training for ministry, doing Bible degrees, theology degrees, biblical studies, and were either wanting to get into endeavors in maybe church staff. There right. were some local church ministries, right. but then others wanted to be in parachurch ministries, which... And this was back when you were doing your Ph.D. work yes, at the only, seminary, and right. you were pastoring right. at the same time. So this was back, what, in the 1950s? Is that right? Thank you, Dr. Creamer. I think I'm much younger than you. <laughs> okay. Oh, oh, yeah. That's. Oh, yeah. That, I forgot about that. You're 10 years younger than I am. So you're in your mid-30s. So this wasn't that long ago. No, no. It's not even five years ago reading this, and... The article that we're looking at now essentially says that has the same kind of trend. They right. want to be in ministry, but not necessarily in the church. And right. obviously, this is troubling because in the New Testament, 
ministry comes or the, flows out of the local the church. The local church is where ministry takes place. I mean, and that's that's what I've always believed. It's what the Scripture says. I think we could defend it biblically also. Uh, but, you know, those parachurch organizations, uh, we're not going to pretend like they don't do anything good or they're not significant. Right. So uh, I think we need to figure out whether it's actually vital for people who are going into the ministry to consider uh, the local church or not and why that might be important. Now, if you're listening to this discussion, you can chime in on this question about why the local church is important, why it's important for people to be ministering in the local church, why uh, you're praying for uh, those who are in your church to be called to ministry to consider the local church as an option for serving. You're welcome to call in on that or any other subject. Again, the number is 1-800-881-9270 or talk at Jerry Johnson Live. Now, let me just say, uh, my, my experience in pastoring in Arlington, and I'll just say for our, our, our audience's benefit, not all of you know who we are, uh, I pastored in the Metroplex for uh, 17 years, and I've served as an interim pastor in the three years since then, and Dr. Barry served as a pastor, as he mentioned, up in Kentucky. We're both active in local churches now, and we're committed to church ministry. And uh, my experience uh, in local church ministry and working with college-age students before I was a professor was that there were a lot of college students who really preferred to serve in those parachurch ministries. They were very active in a campus crusade for Christ or uh, InterVarsity uh, Christian Fellowship or or one of those navigators, BSM, all those different organizations that are on the campuses. Uh, do you have any idea why that seems so much more appealing uh, right off the bat to someone who's called into ministry than going into the local church? And I'm not, I, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination trying to pretend no one's going into the local church, but why is there such an interest in going into those ministries instead of going directly into a local church and doing that ministry? What do you think? Well, many times on campuses you have parachurch ministries who are doing things that simply churches are not doing, being right. involved in academics, dealing with cultural issues, dealing with, quote-unquote, what is hip for the moment. And then likewise, you don't have as many theological constrictions because parachurch organizations are usually somewhat uh, interdenominational, so you don't have all the doctrinal hang-ups right. that come with a church, and now, so there's a little more freedom. When you say parachurch organization, I've used that term a couple of times also. I think a lot of people probably wouldn't know what that is. What do you mean by a parachurch organization? It's a, any kind of Christian organized ministry that is involved in some sort of uh, service task, maybe to engage in evangelism or to maybe uh, help the needs of the poor or help students on campus. But it's not an official church. It works alongside right. the church. So gotcha. focus on the family, Criswell College, things of that nature. Gotcha. Now I want to come back and talk about that in just a second. We have one question from uh, somebody who sent this on the on the uh, email to talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. And uh, their, their question is this. Um, uh, they they just want to hear this addressed, and I, I just want to ask you what your opinion of it is, Dr. Barry. It's, it's a pretty radical claim here, so everybody brace yourself for just a second. Uh, this this uh, this writer, David, uh, says, I'll go out on a limb here. This is, I'm quoting David. He says, I'll go out on a limb here and say that Allah has more in common with Satan, biblically speaking, than with God. I haven't put a lot of research into that position, he says, but I think it would be very interesting to hear it addressed. And uh, here, I've got a theologian over here, and uh, I think he could address that question. Um, in fact, if any of you know Ergen Kanner, Dr. Barry has the uh, ignoble or noble distinction of looking a lot like him, by the way. And he addresses these questions all the time. So, Dr. Barry, what do you think? Is uh, Allah more like Satan than God? Well, what's ironic is Dr. Kanner is converted out of uh, Islam. Yes, so. that's right. I don't think I'll be quite as loud as uh, Dr. Kanner. <laughs> right. Uh, but I think a better way of just saying it is anything that 
brings deception and takes people away from the gospel, keeps them from believing the gospel, wow. is obviously satanically motivated. So right. it's not just Allah. That could be anything that is taking people away and blinding them from the truth. So do you think that Allah, and I know this is a very difficult question, so we don't have very long to talk about it right now, but do you think Allah is different from the God of the Bible, or do you think it's a different name for the God of the Bible that the the Muslims use? Right. Well, I think a good illustration of that, there is a uh, sign over a mosque in the Middle East that says, we worship the God who has no son. Hey, I, I want to be yes. fair here for a second, sure. Dr. Barry. I, I really want you to be able to give some some uh, considerable significance to that question. Sure. So I'm going to get you in just a second to answer that. First, I want to take this call okay. from uh, Brian in Fort Worth. Brian, you have a question or a, or a comment? Uh, I had a comment. Okay. It was pertaining to the question that why are so many Christians going into the mission field and not into the church? Right. I, I just had to comment about that, that the church, it appears to me, or almost everyone I've been to, not all of them, there are a few, it's like the little white speck in the... Now you're going to have right. to get there really quickly because we're running out of time. Okay, anyway, the church has, uh, or most of them, I don't want to lump all of them together because there are some good godly churches and sure. ministers out there, but they ah. totally forgot, you know, they don't. They've lost their the purpose. Jesus. All right, I've got your idea now, Brian. I appreciate that call. Thanks for uh, giving it to us. I think I do think one of the things we have to consider when we're wondering why people are not committing themselves to local church ministry is because a lot of people are disenchanted with the local church. Uh, it's easy to lose the direction that the local church ought to have. In fact, I'd say real quickly that uh, people are enamored with parachurch organizations because they're usually organized around very simple, uh, very straightforward social and evangelistic type ministries, and we love to... Uh, to be involved in those kinds of ministries, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the fact that local church is not being done well everywhere in no way undermines the significance of being involved in a local church. And we'll talk about that some more when we come back after this break. I want to invite you again to call after the break, 1-800-881-9270 or talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. We'd love your input on these subjects. we got plenty to talk about, but we sure do want to know what you think about it also. So feel free to call in and comment after this break. Thanks for listening to Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu.
You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. All right, welcome back. It's my uh, great burden, uh, I mean privilege, to be in the studio today with Dr. Everett Berry, who's going to address this uh, question that we had a moment ago. Now, we've got the lines full, and uh, we want to encourage you to keep calling in. We're going to get right to those calls after just this and one other thing that we have to say. But uh, before we do that, I want to uh, you know, get your response, Dr. Berry, to the question of whether uh, the Allah of Islam is the God of the Bible or just a, a, you know, just a different name for the God of the Bible, or if it's a completely different thing altogether. So what do you take on that? Well, obviously, historically, there is a relationship between Allah and Abraham and Ishmael and the whole discussion there. But the real question is, theologically, is the God of Allah the same as the God of Christianity? And at the end of the day, the God of Allah has no son. And once you deny (laughs) the deity of Christ, the revelation of God, the God of the Old Testament through the person of Jesus Christ, you no no longer maintain any continuity with Christianity, and so you are talking about a different God. Well, there's a straightforward answer. I think you're going to have some disagreement, certainly, from people, but man alive, uh, I I like that answer. I'm in in agreement with that. I mean, when you take Christ out of the picture, you just cannot be talking about the same God. That's really good. Uh, All right, we've got... uh, Oh, listen, I need to mention to you again, uh, we're having Theology Thursday on Wednesday today, so I want you to feel free to call in and ask us any questions you'd like, biblical questions, theological questions, whatever. We've been talking about current and future church leadership, but you're welcome to ask about anything. And I want to remind you also about this uh, new class that Jerry Johnson Live is going to be beginning. We want to give you an opportunity to come and learn something about Christ and culture. This is Jerry Johnson, and I want to invite all of our listeners to join me for a special class at Criswell College tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30. The class is called Christ and Culture, Christian Perspective on Current Issues. We're going to talk about all of the issues that you like hearing about here on Jerry Johnson Live, the Christian worldview, euthanasia, stem cell research, abortion, movies, politics, cloning, sanctity of human life, and many other topics from a biblical worldview. The class is tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. at Criswell College, located at the corner of Gaston Avenue and Haskell in East Dallas, just east of Baylor Hospital. Go to our website at criswell.edu. You can take this course for master's degree credit or bachelor's degree credit. And the good news is it's at half the normal tuition price. I'll be teaching this class. I'll see you tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30 at 6.30 p.m. Half the normal tuition price. Can you believe that? You've got to show up for the class if it's only half the price. All right, we've got James in Dallas on the line. James, what can we do for you today? Hi, good afternoon. Uh, Thanks for taking my call, doctor. Hey, thanks for holding on the line. Sure. It's a great question. It uh, made me think about a lot of what actually makes me, as a Christian, um, pursue ministry uh, personally. Um, James, you've been called to ministry, I take it you're saying. You've been called to ministry? Well, we all have. Oh, sure. We're all priests and kings. <laughs> okay, uh, I definitely agree with that. Faith. We're, sure. all, we're all ministers of the truth. Right. Um. And so, I, your comment I, or question? I would think that they, in the 30-something years that I've seen churches of various different styles and things like that, right? people are having something hard to stick their teeth into because it's, it's more like the church itself is becoming culturally irrelevant, ah, uh, ah. perhaps for the Western world. I got gotcha. you. 
So, uh, so uh, you know, a, a young guy who's uh, at college age and he's been listening to, uh, I don't know, Coldplay or something like that for his uh, for his for his high school years, and he goes to his church and they're singing "Amazing Grace" and the old rugged cross, and then he says, "Man, how am I going to reach my generation for Christ?" He thinks he's going to think more in terms of a BSM or a campus crusade, or just in terms of his own coffee shop type ministry than he is a local church. Is that is that what you're getting at? Well, that, in the sense of the Spirit working in somebody's heart, is, is motivating someone to do something. Sure. But if, if, if there's a watered-down gospel that's being led throughout the churches, and it becomes just a cultural thing, and it's something that's actually right. gets your teeth into it, right. there's a fire that burns in you with the Spirit to do something. And you've got to have somewhere to express that. Right. Uh, yeah, James, I appreciate that call. The general idea here is, I, I agree, I, I think there is a lot of fault to be found in us as churches not doing what we're called to do and not staying focused on the ministry we ought to be focused on and not plugging our young ministers in so that they can do the ministry that they've been called to do. But I am going to say that no matter how poorly we do our job as local churches, our next job is to correct that and to strengthen the churches and to figure out a way to start doing things correctly. Uh, in fact, uh, Dr. Barry, I just want to ask you this real quickly. Do you think that the local church could be replaced by anything else? And I I know the correct doctrinal answer to this. I'm asking practically. Can something else just sort of substitute for the local church and accomplish the discipleship that's described in the New Testament? Quick answer, because we've got two more waiting on the line. Yes, new churches. Honestly, there are churches that they're not doing the job, and they're not going to do the job, and younger generations are not going to invest their lives excuse me, in churches where they know they're not going to elicit change. Right, right. And so church planters, uh, starting new works, that could be a great alternative, but it's still has to be through a local church. Yeah, churches are vital. The uh, involvement, the accountability, the rubbing shoulders and knowing each other, all of that's a vital part of being a discipler uh, in Christ. All right, we've, we've also got Greg on the line in Dallas. Greg, uh, what's your comment or your question? Well, I talked to program probably five minutes in, so I may have missed something. Early. Oh, I doubt it. But my, uh, I was under, wanting to understand what we're defining as as the church, or I guess the local church. What I'm gathering is there's a distinction between a local church congregation um, and the church worldwide or sure. a church in a more global sense. Well, let me just really quickly say, from my perspective, even in, regardless of your doctrine, there's just a practical distinction. I mean, some people meet together and some people don't, who are in Christ and who are a part of the body of Christ. So I'm saying, when I'm using the words, and I'm going to ask Dr. Barry what he means by it in just a second, I don't know if he means the same thing or not, but when I use the words local church, I just mean a local body of baptized believers who are covenanted together for the purpose of fulfilling the Great Commission. That's my general idea. I think all of us who are Christians ought to be part of a local church, and we all are part of the body of Christ. Uh, So anyway, that's my general distinction. Let me give uh, Dr. Barry a chance to say that, and then Greg, we want to figure out where you were going with that. So, Dr. Barry. Well, I would just add also with you're talking about a covenant community, baptized believers, filling the Great Commission, and also spiritual accountability with spiritual leaders, pastors, and deacons also. So you have have some structure and many times— Scriptural offices. Right, and sometimes that's the structure that turns many people off because of abuses. Right, Uh, because it gets so frustrating to have a bureaucracy. Okay, Greg, I don't know if that answered that part of the question or not, but then what was your comment on that? I think it's a relevant uh, point to make because uh, I have— I could use an example of a good friend of mine who okay. has started out 
graduated college, go to seminary, very zealous for ministry, wanting to impact and expand the kingdom. Sure. And but gets disillusioned by the system, the man-made system part of yeah. a particular church, yeah. and gets very turned off. And at the at this moment, not even in church, not wanting to go. Right. Wanting to love Jesus and is a part of right. the church as a whole, but not wanting to have anything to do with things that men build because that's. Yeah, I understand that, and that, that's why people are always saying, well, I'm, I'm not opposed to religion, but I'm opposed to organized religion, and, and uh, really what they mean by that is the church, and the way I've seen it expressed in bureaucratic entrenchment. And uh, let me just throw in here, Greg, that I've seen the same thing happen to uh, college students who are enthused and excited about serving God and serving parachurch ministries, and as soon as they're out of college, they have no more link to that parachurch ministry, and then they're out. They don't serve in church, they don't serve in parachurch ministries, they're not serving anywhere else either. And I'm not saying that two wrongs makes a right. I mean, both of those are errors that we need to correct, and we certainly need to address that bureaucratic entrenchment and become living in our commitment to the Lord in our churches. Listen, we only have a a minute for you, Carolyn and Kaufman, but I really do want to get you in before this segment's over. So, uh, Carolyn and Kaufman, do you have a question about baptism? Yes, Larry, I do, and thank you for taking my call. I like being Larry. I've never been Larry. Larry oh, is Larry's I'm our producer, sorry. and he has the voice of the divine, so I'll oh, take that as a compliment. You go right ahead. Okay. Um, I, I understand that faith is the basis for everything we say and do in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith, yes. Okay. Uh, having said that, I'm just, uh, I've always been amazed how terrified denominations are to use the B word in connection with salvation, understanding that faith is the the basis, but we are commanded to confess the name of Jesus Christ. Right. We are commanded to repent. Sure. We are commanded to be baptized, and I don't consider baptism a work no more than I consider it. Carolyn, I'm, I'm getting the impression. I'm getting the impression that you fairly believe that uh, baptism is a part of salvation, and uh, that that doesn't mean that we're saved by good works. That we're not saved by our own righteousness. It just means that without being baptized, it's not possible to be saved. Is that right? Is that is that what you're suggesting, Carolyn? Baptism cannot save you apart from faith. But without baptism, you don't believe that faith could save either, right? By itself. I believe that baptism is for the saved. Okay, so a person is saved by faith without baptism, and then, in order to be obedient to the Lord, they follow in baptism. Is but that what you're saying? But on the other hand, if you're not baptized, I don't believe you're saved. <laughs> okay, uh, well, Dr. Barry, in 30 seconds or less, can you give us a quick response to that idea? Well, on the one hand, in the New Testament, there is no such thing as an unbaptized believer. If someone confesses faith in Christ and his resurrection, his death, his resurrection, they're baptized to identify with the community of people who believe that. Right. But then on, t- on the flip side of that coin, we live in the 21st century, and there are different theological views of baptism. Sure. And so I wouldn't be willing to say that someone who doesn't hold a believer's baptism but genuinely has faith but maybe was baptized as an infant I'm not willing to say that that person's not a believer. Oh, sure. Uh, I mean, the reality is we just do not hold baptism as an essential ingredient of salvation. It does not bring about regeneration. It does not bring about our conversion. It is a result of obedience in our salvation. That's why we always talk about the thief on the cross as the example of that. Listen, I I appreciate you bringing up uh, that topic, Carolyn. Uh, I want to say our faith is in Christ and Him alone, and I know from what you were saying, your faith is in Christ and Him alone also, and not the waters of baptism. So I want to encourage 
you to come back after this informative break and keep listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Feel free to call in right after this. listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. Hey, Dr. Barry and I are both enjoying spending the time with you talking about theology and some biblical questions. And the last one that was brought up was about baptism, and we're going to get back to that in just a moment. I want to give you one more chance to hear about this uh, new class we're going to be offering, the Christ and Culture class uh, with Jerry Johnson, uh, teaching some really interesting topics, culturally relevant topics, the kinds of things that he talks about on the air, but also in a more practical setting where you have an opportunity to interact with him. This is Jerry Johnson, and I want to invite all of our listeners to join me for a special class at Criswell College tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30. The class is called Christ and Culture, Christian Perspective on Current Issues. We're going to talk about all of the issues that you like hearing about here on Jerry Johnson Live. The Christian worldview, euthanasia, stem cell research, abortion, movies, politics, cloning, sanctity of human life, and many other topics from a biblical worldview. The class is tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m., at Criswell College, located at the corner of Gaston Avenue and Haskell in East Dallas, just east of Baylor Hospital. Or go to our website at criswell.edu. You can take this course for master's degree credit or bachelor's degree credit. And the good news is it's at half the normal tuition price. I'll be teaching this class. I'll see you tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30, at 6.30 p.m. All right. Now, we have uh, a couple of callers holding on the line. We're going to get to you in just a moment. Uh, Right before that, I just want to raise what Carolyn was talking about a few minutes ago and ask for a a little clarification on that from uh, Dr. Barry. So, first of all, I think we're going to agree on this with absolutely no doubt whatsoever, uh, that baptism is not a requirement for salvation. I mean, can you say that outright? Sure. One's, uh, baptism does not bring about forgiveness of sin. It doesn't bring about the spiritual rebirth. Is it essential to anything in the Christian life, or is it just sort of an extra thing that we do? It's essential to the Christian life in the sense that you cannot separate the expression of faith in receiving Christ from the expression of obedience and becoming a part of his people, and part of that entails being baptized with those who have already exercised faith as well. You're identifying baptism, um, really being immersed in water after you believe, you're you're identifying that with being a member of a, of a local church. Is right. that right? And for the New Testament, once the church, once Pentecost begins, believers are now defined as believers because of their identity with the church. I got you. Okay, very good. Now, we have Angela in Ranger uh, with a question about women teaching in the church. So, uh, Angela, I think you should just ask your husband at home. Oh, oh, no, 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 wait a minute. You're on the phone, so you can ask. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you brought up one of the points, and, uh, you know, Paul talks in two places about women and teaching, and... um, he says that women obviously are supposed to, you know, learn at home and in silence and not have authority over a man. And, um, you know, and in another place he says to teach the children. And I'm just wondering, because I've had people tell me, well, that's old or that's not important sure. or, you know, whatever. And I just, you know, I put Scripture on Scripture and precept on precept, and I'm sorry, it seems to me that women are really only supposed to teach other women and children. I 
I don't know how to do that when I feel called to teach. Sure. I No, I hear you. I understand. Uh, well, you know, you're asking a room full of men about this question, so half the women in the audience are probably rolling their eyes at the fact that Dr. Barry and Dr. Creamer are going to say the same cotton-picking thing because we just want to subjugate women. And so, Dr. Barry, is that true? Do you just want to subjugate women? No, I don't want to subjugate women at all. I want men and women to function in accordance with how Scripture talks about their roles. Okay, and so would you agree with what Angela was saying on the phone? Well, I would say that in the New Testament there are some contexts where women do teach men. For instance, you have Priscilla and Aquila as a couple when they're uh, privately giving instruction to Apollos. He's kind of confused on some things, and they both teach him in a private setting. But, now, but discipleship. But you wouldn't. Are you taking that to be something like a class? No. I mean, would you? Would you oh, no. Okay. Okay. You just mean they're sitting around and talking, and sure. And she's able to. But at, I mean, like, for instance, as a pastor, for me, when I was pastoring, many things that I learned in the pastorate came from godly women that I would visit and be able to uh, listen right. to in their homes, visiting with their families, right. things of that nature. So it's not a matter of in no circumstance whatsoever. But when you talk about in the church setting, right. in the corporate worship setting, it's clear in the New Testament now, that there are You have to realize that a lot of people are listening on the radio and rolling their eyes and saying, what are you guys talking about? You have a problem with women teaching men? I mean, come on. Half the women I know are smarter than 100% of the men I know. Absolutely. So, so why on earth wouldn't you want them to, 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 to teach? What's right. wrong with that, you? Why aren't you up to date? That's right. The issue has nothing to do with ability. Absolutely nothing to do with well, ability. Why wouldn't we want the most able person in charge of the class or teaching the church or just preaching, whatever? Right, because the issue has to do with authority. Ah. So when you look in the New Testament, there's, there appears to be an idea of male headship in the church okay. as well as the home. And so, if you deny that, then you're compromising some important factors in the gospel. Okay, well, I, I mean, I like the reasoning because in my thinking also it's— you can prove to me all day long that it would work better, that it would be smarter, that it makes more sense. You can do all of that, and I'm still going to say, I don't care. All I want to know is, how do I do this in a New Testament way? Right. How do I do it in a way that allows God to be glorified? And if he has to be glorified through the weakness of men, so be it. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Angela, that was a great call. Thanks for the question. I appreciate it. Jim in San Angelo, uh, if you're still there, we've had, we've had you on hold for quite a while. Uh, what's your comment on young men going into the ministry? Hi. Uh, young men going into ministry and choosing other than local church vocations. Uh, right, what we raised alarming. at the top of the hour. Yeah. Go ahead, sorry. Jim. I'm sorry to interrupt. Okay. Go ahead. That's all right. Uh, it does not alarm me at all. Okay. Uh, for a number of reasons. I am a seminary-trained individual and pastored local Baptist churches for nigh on to 30 years. I'm currently... Uh, employed by the state of Texas as a chaplain in a state institution. And very honestly, I do more absolute ministry in a day than I was able to do in a month as right. a pastor of a local church, simply because I am not bound by the uh, uh, the organization. I am not bound by sure. Administrative duties. I am just simply there to minister. Now, Jim, I suspect you're going to agree with what I'm a, what I'm about to say. So I'm I'm not saying it to trap you or or to or to trick you or something like that. But to say I think you probably intend this underneath what you're saying. Also, that uh, state convention that you're a part of and hired by is a convention of local churches who pay the bill, right? No, I'm I'm employed by the state of Texas. Oh, I'm sorry. You're a social worker now. No, I'm a chaplain. Okay, you're but uh, okay. As a chaplain, do you are you evangelizing? Is that what you're doing? 
I can and have, yes. Okay, all right, good. So you're able to work freely in this organization that you're a part of. Well, that's fantastic. That's really interesting to hear. Do you think that in some way substitutes for what the local church does, or do you think it's just something separate from it that frees you up to be able to work differently? Uh, I I think both and, rather than either either or. Okay. Uh, I am able to give uh, more freely. And I'm able to minister more openly. That's simply the people know that's why I'm there. Right. And and in the local church, that's not always so. Right. Simply because the pastors are so bound by administrative duties sure. and committee meetings and other kinds of things like that. I will also say, I, I think the distinctions you're talking about are as much the distinction between roles as it is the distinction between being in the local church and being in you know in state employee because. Uh, the church that I was just recently the interim in, they have an associate pastor of pastoral ministries, and really his responsibility is not administrative at all. It's just to uh, do counseling and to meet with people at the hospitals. And I think, and I, I did consider it something of a chaplaincy role. He did a beautiful job of it. Would you consider that comparable to what you've experienced, just sort of being freed from the shackles of administration? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one one of the things that alarms me in. Uh, and, and I do not agree that the church has become culturally irrelevant. Right, good. I believe good. The, the church is just as relevant as it ever, has ever been. Okay. But uh, I think the expectations of ministers have uh, that the church has placed on ministers. Sure. It becomes burdensome. It, it does. Right. And, uh, so really, you're not, you're not uh, removing the significance of the local church in the things you've been saying at all. What, what you're doing is just pointing out that sometimes we do allow people who are called of God to do significant spiritual ministry to get so burdened down, shackled by administrative responsibility that they don't get to focus on the spiritual anymore. Uh, I do want to say, I, I think part of the reason, uh, and uh, Dr. Barry Everett, I, I don't know if you agree with this or not, but I think part of the reason some guys don't want to go into the ministry, at least the pastorate in the local church, is because of what they see happen to the pastors of local churches. That is, some really high-profile pastors end up in some really bad situations, and uh, it's almost embarrassing. We talk about pastors as a byword sometimes. Uh, do you experience that with the students that you have? Do you think that's true? And how would you how would you encourage some guy who feels called into the ministry if that was the way they felt? I think one thing that's becoming more of a trend, and, and I like it, and we need more of it, especially in Southern Baptist circles, are internships, mm-hmm. where people training for the ministry can uh, observe the environment and climate in which pastors serve, the which they work, so they get a taste of it, and so right. they're not going into it uh, completely cold turkey, but they get some exposure. I think that can be a step in the right direction, right? because it can be a machine that just eats you alive if you're not aware of what's coming. Right, ab- absolutely. In fact, uh, I, I, let me just say real quickly, if you want to call in and ask us a question, uh, you have the opportunity to do that, 1-800-881-9270. After this break, uh, we're going to get to some more callers, and so you feel free to do that. We have some waiting right now, but if you want to call after the break, you feel free to do that. Um, I'll say uh, the, the respect that I have for pastors is immense. Even though many pastors make some mistakes, uh, it's immense. And I appreciate churches that are willing to hire an executive 
executive pastor or do something else to remove the administrative burden from a pastor. But I'll also say that some pastors don't want that burden removed from them because a lot of us who served as pastors know that in order to lead a congregation in vision and spiritually and in terms of ministry, uh, you also have to lead them administratively. You have to take the responsibility, the oversight of all of the different ministries of the church. And so I don't have any problem with pastors who are doing the administrative work also. Listen, we've been talking about a variety of subjects, including pastors and their involvement in the church, what it means to be a member of a church, whether baptism is essential to Christianity and salvation or to being a member. We want to talk about all those things when we come back and more based on your questions when you call in after this break on Jerry Johnson Live. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's today's host, Dr. Barry Creamer. Hey, welcome back to uh, Theology Thursday, Wednesday, as we're calling it today. So uh, I just want to get right back into a call right off the bat. I think it's a clarification call. Sean, uh, you had a question about something we had said earlier on baptism, right? Yes, sir. And what's the question? Um, uh, if, I, if I understand correctly, you said that baptism is essential for church membership, but it's not essential for salvation. Yes. Uh, the first part of my question is, what do you do with passages like Mark sixteen sixteen, Acts two thirty eight, First Peter three twenty one? Oh, okay. And then the second part of the question is, um, uh, what is the biblical basis for saying that baptism is essential for church membership? Sure, great, great question. Uh, let me give you a real quick response to the first half, which is basically the same thing Carolyn was asking earlier, uh, and that is, is baptism essential to salvation? And what you're asking is, how can we say it's not essential to salvation based on these passages that normally turn up from people who do believe it's essential to salvation? And, uh, you know, just real simply put, we don't think any of those passages, and I, I think it's absolutely clear, for instance, Mark sixteen sixteen doesn't even imply that baptism is essential to salvation. It simply says that if I believe and am baptized, I will be saved. But to understand what it means not to be saved, all I have to know is that I don't believe. It's believing that's essential to salvation in that passage. And we could go on through the other passages, but let me give Dr. Barry an an opportunity to answer the second half of the question, which is, I think, more difficult and probably uh, more pertinent to most of our audience, which is, why would you say baptism is essential to church membership, especially if you're not going to say it's essential to salvation? Why Why would you 
you associate those two things together? Well, in the New Testament, the, the church is defined as that group of people who have now received the blessings of the New Covenant, which is the consummation of the, the expectations in the Old Testament of a Redeemer. The Redeemer is going to come bring forgiveness, eternal life, right. resurrection from the dead. And now the community that exhibits the blessings of that New Covenant is called the church. Sure. And the, the initial means whereby a believer expresses his or her identity into that covenant that they already have. Right. They already have received it. Right. The way they manifest that faith they have re- that they have expressed in that covenant is through baptism. Okay. And it's a corporate act because you're identifying with others who have likewise also followed participated. in baptism. Right. And, uh, you know, it's just generally following the idea at the end of, to mention a passage that he brought up at the end of Acts chapter 2, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. They are added such as should be saved, but it's after their baptism because that's the whole point. Those who believed were baptized. Those right. who gladly received the word then followed in baptism. Right. So anyway, uh, I appreciate that question. And obviously we take all day to talk about just that one question in terms of theology. There are a thousand issues out there in the culture that need to be addressed. And that's what Jerry Johnson Live's class on Christ and culture is going to be all about. We want, we want you to hear about that one more time. This is Jerry Johnson, and I want to invite all of our listeners to join me for a special class at Criswell College tomorrow night, Thursday, August 30. The class is called Christ and Culture, Christian Perspective on Current Issues. We're going to talk about all of the issues that you like hearing about here on Jerry Johnson Live. The Christian worldview, euthanasia, stem cell research, abortion, movies, politics, cloning, sanctity of human life, and many other topics from a biblical worldview. The class is tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m., at Criswell College, located at the corner of Gaston Avenue and Haskell in East Dallas, just east of Baylor Hospital. Or go to our website at criswell.edu. You can take this course for master's degree credit or bachelor's degree credit. And the good news is it's at half the normal tuition price. I'll be teaching this class. I'll see you tomorrow night. Thursday, August 30, at 6.30 p.m. Let's see if we can't squeeze in magically two more calls in the very few moments that remain on the show. And so I'm going to start with Mary Ann and say, uh, do you have a question or a comment? Oh, perfect. Now, that works out great because I wanted to get to Jason also. So, Mary Ann, we do miss you. I'm sorry we weren't able to talk to you. But really, Jason, do you have a question or a comment you want to make? Yes, sir. How y'all doing today? Doing just great. Great. I was going to ask you, do you know the history of cessationism, uh, who, you know, who the first theologian was to bring about that idea that, uh, you know, the works of the Holy Spirit, uh, some of the works of the Holy Spirit sure. is... A B.B. You know, Warfield kind of idea. ...are not sure. relevant for today. Sure. Uh, you're talking about a theology that we normally associate with B.B. Warfield, and uh, it's the, the doctrine called cessationism, just like you said. Uh, now, uh, just for our audience's sake, so they'll know what we're talking about, it's the idea that uh, miraculous gifts, gifts of healing, apostolic signs, uh, things like that, have ceased since the close of the canon. That is, since the Bible finished, was finished, was completed, there's been no need for apostolic signs. So uh, why do you ask that question, Jason? Is there something you wanted to follow up on? Well, no, I just wondered uh, where it started, because, you know, I grew up Baptist, and uh, uh-huh. but I, I know some very strong Christians who are charismatic who, you know, have these types of gifts, and, uh, you know, I, I believe <laughs> sure. that a lot of Baptists, especially Baptists, um, especially more fundamental Baptists, put the Holy Spirit in a box, and they're afraid to talk about Him, and they're afraid right. to talk about the gifts that 
that he does give. And, well, Jason, you know, you'd, you'd have to acknowledge, and if I can keep you on the line for just a second, I think we can get this uh, at least uh, uh, you know out in the open. Uh, you do have to acknowledge you don't have to choose one extreme or the other. You don't either have to be charismatic or put the Holy Spirit in a box. I mean, uh, surely there are some people who don't claim miraculous gifts who still believe in and submit to and evidence the presence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. You could agree with all of that, right? Yes, very. Okay, very so we, we don't want to force it into a false dichotomy here where you either yeah, have to be exactly. charismatic or you kill the Holy Spirit. So right. my commitment to the Holy Spirit is absolute. I, I do believe he's in me. I believe he's essential to the prospect of evangelism, to understanding the Word of God, illuminating our reading of the Scriptures, all of those kinds of things, and he secures my salvation in the person of Christ, but I am dead-on cessationist in my belief about those miraculous gifts. So uh, all I can say to you is I I wish we had more time, Jason. I just find this topic fascinating. I, I am not saying that Christians are hypocrites or deceptive or deluded or any of that stuff who practice those things, but I am saying, man, I have some serious questions when someone tells me that they have some sign from God that gives some authority to what they're doing or some reason for me to have confidence that there's a miraculous evidence from God in their lives when the only authority I have for the faith that I hold and for the things I believe altogether is in the Scriptures themselves. Now, uh, Again, I know this is unfair to you, Jason, not to give you time to be able to talk back and respond on this uh, really quick conclusion to Theology Thursday, Wednesday today. But uh, I I do think you've raised the question exactly right, and it's something hopefully we'll get to talk about on an upcoming show. Let me just say to everybody who's listening here, um, obviously uh, questions like baptism and uh, the pastor in the local church and our involvement in the local church are all important. In fact, I think it's a legitimate question to ask whether uh, it's possible to live as a Christian outside of the local church. That is, you have to be involved with a body of believers in order to serve the Lord faithfully as a Christian in this world. But none of us are pretending that church membership is the most important thing. We know that the most important thing is that you know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior. And so in listening to this show, I I do want to say with all the theological disputes, with all the disagreements, and the importance of doctrinal distinctives and clarity in the things we say and believe, it is most important that we remember that our salvation is by faith alone, through Christ alone. For Jerry Johnson Live, this is Barry Creamer and Everett Berry. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.